0: All right, I'm ready to give it. Some of y'all are mad. I just love you anyway, in Jesus' name. We're going to have fun. We're going to have fun. If you don't know what this series is about, the week that we call Holy Week, which is Jesus comes in, we wait. People wave. We didn't do it, but just go with it. Hosanna. They shout Hosanna. have palm branches. He comes into Jerusalem. And then that started. That's the first day of the week. That started the week that on Friday, Jesus will be crucified. Sunday, he would rise. Right? Have y'all ever heard of that before? If not, we missed the whole point and we need to start over. But that's okay because we're going to have fun anyway. But as I was praying about a month, maybe a month and a half ago, I, I, I just really believed that God led me to teach on this subject, but not only give. What did Jesus talk about? How do we steward? And it's a heart thing, not a wallet thing. Are y'all okay? It's a heart thing. So today, this message in particular has sat heavy on me. All week long, I've thought about this, not about you. If I can be real with y'all, I don't necessarily think about you, When I'm making a message, when I'm writing it out and changing things and reordering things, I'm looking and evaluating Mark. So whenever I get to give a message, I'm ready to give it away. Give it away, give it away, give it away. (laughs) Now I'm ready to give it away because it's been eating at me all week. Because this is what's been eating at me. Motive matters. My motivation in life, what I am doing, why I am doing it, it matters. If I am doing this job, Listen. If I'm doing this job to make people proud of me because I'm a pastor, <laughs> it's funny, but it's real. My mama used to tell me all the time, I'm so proud of you for being a pastor. If that's why I still do it, I miss the point because it's not really motivating to meet That and I love my moms, but that's not really what. Is the point. The point is, am I called to this? And then do I do it with pure motivation? Do I do it with a pure heart or do I try to impress people? Everybody say impress. Impress. Now, I'm going to be super real with y'all, so I need y'all to not be quiet. You will hurt my feelings and I'll just stare at you like this with my big old face and eyeballs. I'm going to stare at you if you're quiet at me today. We all have ambition, we all come to the table with something to bring. It may be selfish and it may not be, but that does not, that does not matter in this particular thing that I'm saying. What, what does matter is that we can be real and say that we have a motive in our life. Our motive might be so that our kids don't get hurt. Our motive might be so that our parents leave us alone. It's okay for y'all to talk too. Our motive Our motives are all different, but ultimately we have them. And what we have to evaluate is not do we have motive. What well, we have to evaluate is, what is my motive? Why? Motive matters. And in the story that I'm going to teach on today, particularly this story has bothered me, I think more than any of them. I'm excited to teach them the next couple weeks, and I'm excited to teach this one. But I've taken a deep dive and looked at me and said, why do you do what you do, Mark? Why do you do what you do? Today's story is the widow's mite. Has anybody ever heard the widow's mite before? Not that you've seen it preached, but you've heard of the story of the widow's mite. If you have, say yes. yes. Widow's mite is very simple. It's four verses in Mark, four verses in Luke. I'm going to do it from the Luke passage. But I want you to see that if you just read those four verses at the beginning of Luke 21, you miss part of the point. Because Jesus doesn't just pick up with this random thought about this widow came in and gave two little mites that is less, worth less together than a penny. In our currency. There was something that was prior to that. So get the picture. Jesus is in the temple. His disciples are around. And he's teaching them as he's watching things. And they're asking questions. And it's kind of a, it's not a fully laid back situation. But we're halfway through this week now, by the way. And Jesus, this is the conversation. It says in verse in chapter 20, toward the end of the chapter. These are the last verses in chapter 20. It says, in hearing all of this, this conversation that's taking place. And all of the people, he said to his disciples, beware of the scribes. Everybody say scribes. Scribes. Who were the scribes? They were the religious leaders. In Mark, it says the scribes and Pharisees. So Jesus was talking about people that have jobs like mine. Beware of religious leaders. Watch. Who like to walk around in long robes. I do not like to walk around in long robes. But in a second, I'm going to show you that that's not what the point is. And it says, who like to walk around in long robes and love greetings in the marketplace and the best seats in the synagogue and the places of honor in the feast. He said, who devour, ooh, what's it say? Yes. I'll be dying. So the widow might, he might have said something before he said something. Okay, that might make more sense in the context. I get it. It says, and... For a pretense to be seen, they make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. Why? Selfish motives. Everybody say selfish. Selfish. We are all born selfish. How do you know that, Mark? That hurts my feelings that you would say that. You ain't had kids. Ah! Ah! Why they crying? I want, mommy. This is, this is what I hear at home more than anything else. Mama, come here. Ma, Daddy. Daddy. Dad. Dad. Pops. Mommy. Mommy, can, I, can you give me my iPad? Can I watch TV? Can I, can I, can I, can I, can I? It's rarely this. It's okay to laugh. Mommy, I see you over there. You've worked hard all day. How is thus can I serve you today? If one of y'all heard that a, so you fall down collapse. Pass out. Am I telling the truth? Yes. That doesn't make your kids bad. That makes our kids human. Why? Because it is weird to find people that don't think of themselves before they think of others. Our motives matter. It shows up, it shows out. We tell the world, "I'm all for you. Listen. As long as you're for what I'm for. But as soon as you are against what I'm against, or against what I'm for, I don't like you anymore, Joe. I liked you this whole time, but now I X you out. I write you off. I can't be for you. If you grew up, listen, like I grew up, and you believe exactly what I believe, then I can like you. But as soon as you don't, X nay, I write you off. And then you've got these cats that are the religious leaders. Now watch, I just, I just let you see all of them. Long robes. This is not talking about a specific clothing that it's bad. I need y'all to make sure you hear me. It is not bad. Well, I mean, it's kind of weird if we can be real if dudes are wearing long robes today. Can we be honest? Like if you, if you go to a hotel or a spa and you wear a robe, we're fine. But once you go in the streets... Whatever, I guess, if it floats your boat, we cool. But he's not talking to you. What he's talking about is if you want to be seen a certain way and based on what you dress like, you want to make sure that everybody thinks you're in a different caliber or different camp than you actually are. What do you mean? If I have on a Gucci belt right now, what's wrong with Gucci? Nothing. But I sure ain't in the, that's not something that I should be affording today. You understand what I'm saying? If you have a $500 belt, watch what I'm saying to you, and you make $500 a week, you ain't smart. I can still love you. I ain't mad at you. But that belt is ridiculous to the comparison to what you make. If you're making $10,000 a week, then you're just in your means. And I need to know what you do. You know what I'm talking about? Because you're making that money, right? Right? But if I need people to think that I'm making that, but I'm really making that, then I'm trying to make sure you think that I'm something that I'm not. So my motivation is that I can keep up with the Joneses and make sure that you think that I'm awesome and I'm really just fine. I'm not upset that I don't have Gucci because it's Gucci. You're welcome. So I'm I'm not trashing nice things. I'm trashing the desire to look like I have things that are currently not in my makeup. My socioeconomic status today is not where it may be if I'm smart. But they wanted to make sure that everybody thought of them as high and mighty. So they wear these robes and people look at them and say, oh, there's the so-and-sos. There's the scribes. There's the important people. Second thing, he said, greetings in the marketplace. This is important, y'all. I'm going to beat this drum for just a second so I need y'all to lean in. If I make greetings... That are fake. Everybody say fake. Fake. Let me give you an example. If I don't have any, if if y'all can't handle honesty, this is going to make you uncomfortable. And I'm okay with that. I just need y'all to know before it happens so you don't throw something at me. (laughs) If I have a meeting or an encounter with a person who does not look like me, let me explain me. I'm white. Y'all okay? I know this might be earth-shattering news to you, but I'm just telling you the truth. I'm a white person, and if I go out to have lunch with a Hispanic person or an African-American person or an Asian person just so I can take a selfie, clickety-clackety, and let people see it, then that's a meeting in the marketplace. What I'm doing is I'm trying to make you think, look how awesome I am. I have friends that don't look like me, but in reality, I'm lying to you. What do you mean? Because it ain't real. It really, in my opinion, it should be the opposite. I'm not putting, this this isn't a token picture so I can let everybody see how cool I am and I have friends that people don't look like me. If that's the only reason that I do what I do, then I'm a fake and I'm lying. Someone say amen. It's okay if you don't agree with me because by the end of it, you're going to hate me. Let's go. And then I want the best seats in the synagogue and the best places of honor at the feast which only means I'm not currently in the position to be seated in the place of honor, but I'm mad that you are. And so I'm going to, don't miss this. This will really help some people in here if you'll listen to what I'm saying. This is a pill that I had to swallow a long time ago, and once I got it down, it changed my life. I judge Travis because he's in a seat of honor not knowing what seed he's sown to get in the place that he's gotten to. And if I judge his harvest and don't know his seed, then it's a me problem which is what I end up doing. What I end up doing is I think that I should be in the place that Blake's in, so I end up criticizing Blake, not knowing the life circumstances that Blake's gone through, not knowing the hardships, not knowing the past, and just judging you based on what I see, not what your life is about. I don't pretend to have a conversation. I don't pretend to care what you're about. I just am envious of where you're at. Can I say something about the seats of honor? Once you sit in those seats of honor, you realize that the people sitting at that table feel the same way that you do, and it's not that cool, and it's not that important. And a lot of times, the people that are sitting at those tables have zero real relationships. So if you desire to be in a place that you're currently not, enjoy the place that you are, and God will elevate you. But if you want the place that you want, you'll never enjoy the place that you are, and you'll be miserable in your life. I am preaching right now. And then we get to devour widows' houses. What does that mean, Mark? It means that I get this thing in my selfish ambition, that I begin to look at people, and it's interesting that I'm elevated on a platform so y'all can see me, because as a picture, this is perfect. That I begin to believe that my status is higher than yours, so instead of lifting my hand down And bringing you up, loving every person the way that Christ loved them, seeing every person through the lenses of the Lord Jesus, I begin to see you, especially in this context, the widows and orphans, I begin to see that context as someone that can give to me. So instead of pulling them up from their place of hurt, I step on their heads so I can elevate to where I want to go. And all of us would say at this point, what a horrible person we got to be real careful. we got to be real careful that we don't judge the ones that have done this because most of the time what I've learned about Mark is the only reason I'm not currently doing that is because I've not been given the opportunity to step on someone's head that needs to be pulled up. And then I think the long prayer wins my favorite because I don't know how y'all grew up in church, but in the church that Lee and I grew up in, Before offering every Sunday, a deacon would come up and pray, right? So the worship leader, whoever, would say, and now deacon so-and-so, deacon Michael, is going to come up and give the prayer. And you'd watch, and some of them, they just give a normal prayer. God, thank you for the day and the music. Praise the Lord and bless this offering. Amen. It was about 30 seconds, and we are like, praise God. And then you'd have deacon so-and-so, and my man would get out a piece of paper, and bro has written out his prayer, and it's 20 minutes long. He's got three points in his prayer. And it's like, dang, bro, you ain't prayed 20 minutes in three years. Come on, somebody. But I know you'll pray 20 minutes to make sure that I know how much you love Jesus, but we really don't think it because we know it ain't real. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? I mean, you can just tell when people start praying, you're like, which God are you praying to because you ain't talking to him all week. <laughs> Some of y'all are uncomfortable, I love you. (laughs) But this is real. If my prayers in front of y'all, can I, I'm just being real with y'all. If my prayers in front of y'all are the longest, most intimate times I have with God all week, then I am this. If I don't spend intimacy with God and all you get out of me is the overflow, then you've got a fake. Fake. And I've constantly got to battle my own mind and my heart to to ask myself, do you want to impress people or do you want to let them have an encounter with the Holy Spirit so he can set them free? In the same context as Jesus is looking through this, he says, now he looked up. And this is the context of the widow's mite, y'all. It says he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. I want y'all to have a picture of this. This is, I think it's 100. It might be 120. I don't know how much I have left, but just go with it because it doesn't matter. Just imagine. I'm not telling y'all anyone that passes the plate or a box or anything. I am not telling you that's bad. As a matter of fact, I'm telling you the opposite. It's not bad at all. It's just a personal conviction of mine. The reason we started our church without passing the boxes was a personal conviction. I believe it's a response to the end of the message and part of your worship, and it's why I want to do it at the back, because I want it to be private. But, but you could do this just as easy at an offering box as you could if we pass a, a, a plate or a basket or whatever around. But if this is my attitude when the basket's coming around, 120. Jesus and my friends. Y'all see me? Look what I'm doing for you, Jesus. And then we look around, we make sure, and we place it in there, but we've made sure we've made a scene. That's what the scene was where Jesus was at. These these rich people, people would get their attention would immediately go on. Ooh, that's so-and-so. We know what he does. He owns a business. We know what she does. She runs this and that. And she's loaded and I bet you when she goes in there and they didn't go in cloak and dagger to make sure no one saw them and not let their right hand know what their left hand's doing. They made sure that every hand knew what they were doing. Y'all see this? I'm thinking to take my ring off. It's worth $25,000 blebity blam, right? They know John Cena, you can't see me, you better see me is what they're trying to say, right? You better see what I'm doing. And it says Jesus is seeing this, that that this part of the temple as you're in there is is called the treasury box. And and they're supposed to go and it's supposed to be private. But they have have an entourage that are going in with them and they're making sure that everyone can see what they're doing. And then he saw a poor widow put two small copper coins in. It's called the widow's mite. No doubt she would not have had an entourage. She would have done it without being seen. Why? Because this was worth less than a penny. It was embarrassing. But look, it says... And Jesus told his disciples, I tell you, the poor widow has done how much? More. She put in more. Why? That doesn't make any sense, Jesus. Well, I mean, the, the temple had to get certain amounts of money to be able to pay the temple and, 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 and have the stuff and pay this and do this and build something and do all this. So, so you should celebrate the rich people. No, he's like, look, that's not the point. The point is she's contributed more of all of them because they contributed out of their But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. She put in all she had to live on. Motive matters. It matters. It's so critically important why I do what I do. Motive matters. Jesus is not saying every week, I need y'all to hear this because some of y'all will walk away and you'll think he's crazy. He is crazy, but not about this. All right? I'm not asking you to give every single dollar that you make every single week. That is unwise. What I'm suggesting is if you're unwilling to let him have whatever part of your heart it is. I don't know what it is for you. It may not be material things. But whatever part of your heart you are unwilling to let the Lord have, that's the part that he's talking about that we are like scribes and Pharisees. And if I do what I do to be seen, so that you think I'm excellent or awesome, that's how I'm like a scribe or Pharisee. If my mindset is what's the, listen, what's the least I have to do to get by? Because I know some of y'all in this room did not sin like I sinned when I was a young person. I don't come on. You better keep your mouth shut, Kendrick Reed, because he knows. I would always ask, what's the least I have to do to get by? What's the rules? Rules are meant to be broken. So I just towed on the line and I broke rules. And if that's the way that I live my life in Jesus Christ, then I just want to get by with the minimum. I would never fully surrender all of me to him. So this is really not a money thing at all, but he's specifically dealing with money. Why? Because that seems to be the thing that keeps people from full surrender as much as anything else. And in this case, what he's saying is, would you, not will you, would you give it all if I ask? Look what Winston Churchill said. I love this quote. What we make, what we make, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we, say it? We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. By what I give away, by what I'm willing to give away, I make a life. And that is so counterintuitive, it's so opposite of what I naturally think because what I naturally think when I wake up in the morning is what will they give me? It's cool to quote scripture, it's better to give than to receive, that's great. But don't lie, on Christmas the thing that you were excited about growing up was not watching your brothers and sisters and uncles and aunts and cousins and friends and everybody else to open gifts. You was ready to get mine, yours. Why did it go quiet? Y'all know y'all lying. Anytime my heart is a little bit off, the only thing I'm thinking is, when am I going to get what's mine? When am I going to get what belongs to me? This is not what the message of Jesus is about. I want to show you the passage that ties in directly with motive, with generosity. The definition, the beautiful description of generosity in the Bible is 2 Corinthians chapter 8. You're offering envelopes that are not in the seat currently during this COVID time, but they're at the back we use second corinthians 9 which is which we preached on last week and that you should give whatever you decide in your own heart but the previous chapter he's dealing with the specific issue of generosity and what it actually means now listen the church of corinth was an influential church it was one of the richest probably second richest if not the richest group of people that paul dealt with corinth was a huge major metropolitan city on the coast of Greece. And then in this passage, he's talking about the church of Macedonia, which was Philippi, the Philippian church. If you have your Bible, it's Philippians, Colossians, like in that, Ephesians, Galatians first. If you, if you have that context and begin to understand, it was a near city. So it, it kind of be like Columbia to Spartanburg in distance. But this church was very poor. It was the middle of the country. That It was not a port city. It was not a very rich city in this region. And it was Thessalonica, which is First and Second Thessalonians, and Philippi. And then we don't have a, a, a book in the Bible on Berea, but it's, it's mentioned in Acts. So these three places, which had churches, he's specifically calling out how generous they are. And watch this. Y'all look at this. It says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among you From the churches of Macedonia, these three churches, they're in a severe test of affliction and their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty. So it says they're poor as all get out, but they've overflowed with a wealth of generosity on their part. That's craziness. Like you expect a group of people that are rich who come in and show off how much they can give. You expect them to do it. But this was a group of people that almost none of them had a pot to pee in is how we would say it. Come on, somebody. But they've been so excited to give. Now, look, I love this definition. I didn't put the Greek word down, but I gave you the definition of what generosity is. It's like a cloth that is perfect and not bent. It's unfolded. And it literally means singleness of mind. James says a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. What does that mean? It means that I'm conflicted constantly in my mind. I want Jesus to have the center of my life and I want to operate in this type thing, but I constantly am battling, yeah, but. What about this side? And the little bits of me that are double-minded or I don't give Jesus all of me are the places that I'm not purely motivated. It just means... It's not overcomplicated. It just means pure motives. As a matter of fact, I love this. When Jesus was calling his disciples, it says that he called Nathaniel, And the Bible says, I learned it in this translation, of whom there is no guile. Or the translations I use now, deceit. Generosity just means with your money, specifically in this context, but also in every area of your life, there's no deceitfulness. There's no, there's no me trying to deceive you. Which is ultimately what those scribes and Pharisees were about, right? They, they were deceivers. And ultimately about you, it is not about do you give any money. It is about why do you do what you do. Look at this. He says, for they gave, the Macedonians gave, according to their means. And I can testify beyond their means of, of their own accord, of, of their own doing, of their own heart, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. In other words, all these people they saw that had great needs, and they had great needs, but they didn't worry about their needs. They said, how can I help? How can I meet the needs of people even though I have needs, even though I should be worried about me? How can I take part in this? And they gave of themselves first to the Lord. Like we could just wrap up the whole message right there and say, if we've not given ourselves first to the Lord fully and completely, that's our problem because our motives are selfish. And then by the will of God, they gave to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that he had started and so should complete among you this act of grace. You know, when I think of grace, I think of salvation and I think of 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 God extending himself to me in my great time of need. But he's saying grace is not just that. Grace is your opportunity to be like Jesus, to extend yourself and show favor to someone regardless of their background, regardless of who they are, regardless if you know them, and definitely regardless if you get credit or not. And look, this is what he said. But as you excel in everything, in faith and in speech and in knowledge and in all earnestness and in our love for you... See that you excel in this act of grace also. This generosity, this single-mindedness of how can I help, how can I open my hand and extend myself in all that I've got. And I say this not to, not to say it as a commandment. In other words, Paul is saying, this is not something that God says and thus says the Lord. I'm asking you, look at this, to do this, to prove, everybody say prove. Say it loud, say prove. Prove by the earnestness Of others, that your love is also genuine. That's a game changer. I'm gonna finish in just a second, but I gotta hit this. In recent days, if y'all know me, you know I'm not silent. This is not something that's new, it's not something that was because of George Floyd that I spoke up for injustices as long as I've had a social media I've beat the drum okay and it's just just in general in general I have felt a deep need to speak on what I am not I want y'all to hear this to understand in context what I do not currently understand, not to come in so shallow and so weak that I cannot look across the table with someone that would vote different than me or look different than me to listen to what they have to say and not even necessarily agree, but at least be able to put myself in your shoes and walk a mile for one day. And if I'm able to do that, then I can come completely pure and say, While my brother so-and-so or my sister so-and-so, and and I may not fully understand and I've never been in your shoes, I can understand and love you like Jesus loves you and, and leverage this, all that I am. I'm only one person and I can only leverage myself only this much, but I can at least leverage what I am because I've listened and I've understood to love you like Jesus loves you. If I'm only capable to love you like Jesus loves you, if you can stay in the context of my mind, what I've experienced in my life, then I am only capable of loving people that fit in my economic, in my color, in my sex, in my, and, and that context, is teeny tiny, y'all. But if I can begin to open my mind's eye to understand that I am called not to just understand what I understand based on who my mommy and daddy were, The neighborhood I was raised in, but simply, totally, and completely the gospel, which just means good news, is for me to be able to love them like Jesus does, which means I do not care how you vote. It means I don't care where you come from. It means I don't care your background. I have eyes, so I can see the difference in color of skin. I am not a fool, so I'm not going to stand up here and say, I'm colorblind. That's, That's a lie. It's beautiful, the difference. However, there's a difference and we can own it and we can say I don't understand because I've never walked a mile in your shoes But I'm willing to say let's sit down And in the same token and I don't care if this offends you I've got I've got a brother who's playing right behind me Who is a police officer and that's my dude And just because there's bad cops doesn't mean that guy's bad Do you hear what I'm saying? I love him I'd go to war with this guy anytime and if just because that dude was bad, you hate this dude, you can't love like Jesus. So I, it keeps me up at night how much I hate racial inequality. But I deeply love this brother. And I believe that the church, which is me and you, not a pastor, do not ever lift me up because I will, I will disappoint you in a skinny minute. But what we should lift up is what Jesus does in us. And if I can just say, I don't understand, but I'm willing to sit down. Listen, I'm going to tell you the truth. I have no idea what it's like to be a police officer. And I stand deeply opposed to racial injustice and what bad police officers have done in the past, but not all police officers are bad because one or two or a hundred or a thousand or ten thousand have been bad. And we've got to stop being so stinking closed minded in this particular area. Because I do not believe Jesus is closed in this. I believe Jesus is open. How do you know? I came to seek and to save the lost. Not the lost white. And not just the lost black. And not just the lost Hispanic. The lost all of them. And as a result, if I don't understand what you understand, I'm willing to listen and love. Otherwise, I'm a scribe and a Pharisee and I'll start slinging things like you shouldn't worry about race. What if I said to my friend Kendrick, "Kendrick, you shouldn't worry about being black, man." What a ridiculous thing to say. I mean, I'm I can't even imagine going there. Pause. Do you know how many of us have gone there? <laughs> like this is hilarious. Because I see social media posts all the time, I saw pastors this week that said this, a white pastor should never speak on racial inequality. You should only talk about Jesus. And I'm like, what do you think Jesus would have done? Just said, in that British accent that you picture your Jesus to look like, thus says the Lord. What? It's silly, y'all. But this is the world we live in. And then we think some mid-70s white dude. Watch this. I'm talking about Democrats and Republicans. You're welcome. We all crazy. If you're putting your hope on Joe Biden or Donald Trump, God help you. Okay? I am a a political-minded person, but the politician that I'm interested in is the one who sits on the throne. And I'm not saying we should be ignorant. I'm saying that dude doesn't get to dictate who I am, how I stand, what I believe. I am pro-life, not anti-abortion only. I'm for the person who has been, who has been deified, who has been pushed down. I'm for human beings. How do you know that's what God's like? Because my love should be genuine for everyone, not just the ones that do what I do. I should give of myself, not just give when it's good for me. Not just when I can stand up and say, look at me. And what I'm saying today, I hate shame. And I never say shame on. But today I'm saying shame on the church. Capital C. For not being the answer because of the hope of glory in us. Just make sure my love is genuine. For I know the grace of our Lord Jesus that he was rich. This is the most beautiful part of this whole thing. This is the gospel over and over. Jesus became so I can become. Jesus became sin so that I could become righteousness. Jesus became weak so that I could be strong. Jesus became poverty, poor, so that I could become, say it loud, so that I could become, but not so you could become rich to say that you're rich or to walk around rich, but so that you could return the favor and say, I can leverage me I can leverage what I am to pick you up in your position that is so hurt. I don't need you to think I'm awesome. I need you to see Jesus when you see me. And that can happen just because I yell into a microphone. It can only happen when I'm willing to get my feet dirty and my fingernails dirty. And say, this is not for a photo op. This is because I love you like Jesus loved you first. So that we might become rich, it's a game changer and in this matter I give my judgment this benefits you who a year ago started not only to do this but you had a desire, everybody say desire I got a slide next the word desire means best offer it's like when you're you're talking down a car salesman and you're like I know that's not the best you can do and then you see what I'm doing right now they start sweating, they're like I might get fired for this deal That's how I know I'm there. You got a lump in your throat. I don't know if we can afford to give this, Leah, but we're going to give it. I don't know if we can afford to do this, but we're going to do it. Our reputation might be ruined, but who cares if it's in the name of Jesus? And he says, so now finish doing it as well. In your readiness and in desiring, it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. And the point is, I've got to begin. What happened? Collapse. Collapse again. Pause. I don't know how to fix it. That's how you fix it. All right, we learned something together. Look, I want to close with this. This is King David. And if this context doesn't make sense to you, I'll give you some. He gave out of his own money over $5 Everybody say billion. How many of y'all know cats that gave over $5 billion to a church? Raise your hand, you lying. (laughs) I don't know none of them. But it says David gave, knowing he could never go in the temple, because God said you can give all the stuff for the temple, but your son's going to build it. And he says, who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Because everything comes from you, and you, and, and we have given you only, only what comes from your hand. And the minute that this becomes my reality is the minute that generosity is a possibility. Everybody say possibility in my life. Because generosity isn't based on the amount of money I give, it's based on the amount of heart I surrender. That is what generosity is. You say, I gave this much money, Mark, am I a generous person? I don't know because I can't see inside of you to know how much of your heart you surrendered to Jesus. You can give and give and give, but you can still hold out things in your life. But until we love like Jesus, we are not truly, truly, truly generous people. My motive matters. It's got to be why over what? It's got to be why over what? So this is what I want you to know. I'm convinced, y'all. Look at me. I'm convinced we can change the upstate. Like I'm convinced we're not just supposed to hope that we get to a certain number of people and a certain number of things. I'm convinced we can change the upstate, but that's only going to happen when we change our world. What is your world? The people that you see every day. The people that you come in context with, context with every day. Your mom and dad who think totally different than you, and you don't fuss at them. You don't yell at them. You don't get into arguments with them. You show them. With our kids, we don't put on a front. I thought about this this week the only time I pray with my family is when other people can see me praying I'm a fake if Lainey gets a different mark on Sunday than she gets Monday through Saturday then I am the worst of the worst it's when we change with the people that we have influence with and we show them everybody say show the world is waiting on people to show them what we're about after Shannon sings this song, I want to close with a thought, but I want to do it after, after we worship. And so I just want y'all to stand right now. Our worship team's going to come up, and I'm going to pray. But what, I, what I'm praying happens, y'all. I don't have a message left. I have one little story. But I just want God to, to have a chance to show us in our own hearts how much we've not let him have. So let's just pray. God, during this last song, what a powerful song. It's, it just goes along perfectly. I just pray that we'll be real, God. That we'll realize that each one of us struggle in certain places to just want to be seen and what we're doing and get, be given credit. And God, there's nothing wrong with celebrating people. There's nothing wrong with telling them how much we love and appreciate them but God, our purpose has to be rooted in loving like you love first. And so God, change our hearts from the inside out so that, so that we can change our world and leave an imprint that is Jesus in our city, in our state, and in our world. So God, we just declare these things right now. We lift up our hands and we worship you Because our motive matters and why we do what we do. And I'm just thankful that the one who's ever had pure motive was Jesus who gave it all. We just want to give it back and tell you we love you. In Jesus' name, let's sing.